grapes because their throat is tiny. It's like the size of a grapefruit. So they can I only... didn't know that. Yeah, it's tiny. That's why if you get eaten by a whale, it can't swallow you. It has to spit you out. That's I'm over it. Uh uh. Yeah, that's what I think anyway. That's why I don't have it on. Okay. Well, and mine's dirty. Yeah. Yeah, I could use some more of those. Oh, you started. Excellent. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode two of the Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, hopefully this is a much better experience starting with this episode than the last episode. For those of you who have listened to the first episode and have come back for more, you're either a glutton for punishment or our biggest fans. Either way, we really appreciate you. Donnie? Or both. Well, that's true. Donnie, how was your, your uh, Christmas break? It was good. Went to Tennessee. Good. To Tennessee. My wife, family. <laughs> Please don't. Please okay. don't do that again. Yeah. You're not a dad yet. You can't do those puns. Yeah, sorry. Hey, you don't, you don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I'm a dad. Don't scare me like that. Anyway. Yeah, hung out with wife's family. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed there for about four days. Went to Nashville. Um, went to Dollywood. We love us some Dollywood. You know, I've lived here in North Carolina for 10 years now, and I've never been to Dollywood. Dude, I, this, okay, this may be controversial. Okay. But it is entirely better in every way than Disney. See, I have been to Disney. Now, I was also a little child. I was like four, and I remember loving it. But I was also a child at the age of four, so very poor critic. Well, that's also because you didn't pay for Disney. That's true. Your father paid for Disney. <laughs> Absolutely. I paid for No, actually, I didn't pay for Disney. We got gifted tickets at Disney, yeah. but still had to buy all of our own food and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was nuts. Dollywood has fantastic rides. Honestly, they're way better than Disney's rides, I think. Good food. It's way cheaper. Mm. It's way less crowded. Mm. We're not sponsored by Dolly Parton yet. Dolly, I love that song, Code of Many Colors. We're big fans. Anyway. anyway yeah, that's what I did. And then uh, me and Elizabeth, Elizabeth is my wife, we just stayed at home. Just the so two you of didn't us. go see the in-laws for Christmas Day? No, this was our, our first leave and cleave Christmas. Awesome. How was that? Did that stand out to you as special, or was it just another kind of day in the year? It was... Christmas has never... Christmas has always been really good with my family, mm-hmm. but it's never felt laid back. Meaning? Meaning, you know, you got to worry about entertaining certain family that comes in. So you've or had holiday stress. Make sure you spend enough time talking to grandma, which I'll obviously love both of my grandmas. Um, yeah. But the fact that it was just me and Elizabeth, mm-hmm. um, we just got to, you know, spend Christmas with each other, give each other gifts. And mm-hmm. It was just, it was really nice. And it was uh, relaxing and good. It, was a, it was a good recharge. And then like later that day we went hiking and we actually, we spent Christmas with friends. There was a friend who his flight got canceled, so he didn't get to go home. <laughs> My roommate. So yeah, his roommate, uh, shout out to Josh Long. We need to have him on the podcast. Ask him how it is like uh, going from a inst- institute snowbird guy to a, Intern to a real of, life working to a real life man. intern of the Patrick James. We need to have him on the podcast. So let's just too. let's not have Josh and just skip straight. No, no, no. We need James. to have we need to have both of them on the podcast. Let's have Patrick James on here and have him tell us everything he hates about Josh. <laughs> he's then, gonna he has a lot of positive things to say about Josh. Yeah, Josh is a great guy. Honestly, because I go to anyway, we're 
it's going to get too inside jokey here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we went hiking together with him, and then later we went to dinner at like a a friend's house, and it was yeah. it was so nice. Good man, that's awesome. Um. Oh, for those of you who don't know, we are, we are recording this podcast on the new year. This is uh, actually this is the day after the new year. Yay, the second day of 2023. And uh, I'm fixing to go back to work tomorrow morning. Uh, so we're coming off of the uh, the holiday season. And I went up to Minnesota and Wisconsin for Christmas. And that was awesome because for those of you who don't know, that's where I was born. I was born up and raised up in Wisconsin. And uh, it was a lot of fun up there. Um, one of the things, we, we had a, a really cold Christmas this year. It was, I think we landed, when, when we landed in, in Minnesota, it was negative 12. And they had Dag about two on. feet of snow on the ground. And it was windy. And it was just, it was awesome. I brought, my bag was just full of old, um, old uh, Arctic clothes from when I used to live up there. And um, I won't belabor the point but the cool thing about the trip was we went out ice fishing um christmas eve and um it's something i have not done since i was a wee little lad and um one of the cool things about it was we got to take a new guy out with us he's a friend that i went i made when i was going to school at liberty and um he lives in minneapolis and so when I knew that I was going to be flying in and I, I called him up and I said, Hey man, we're going to be going to do some ice fishing. Would you like to join us? And he's like, yeah, I've actually got some, I got a window to come up and fish, uh, Christmas Eve. And so we hopped in the car and drove up there. Um, nobody was on the road. Nobody in their right mind was driving, you know, snow was being blown across the road. Um, it was negative. They drove cars. Yeah, we drove cars. I, I mean, know. At that point, how many people where you're from have like snowmobiles or probably uh, snow, snow The machines? only people who don't have the snowmobiles uh, are people who live in the cities. Almost everybody that lives rural has snowmobiles. So wh where you were at, were there no snowmobiles? Well, I mean, it was a three-hour drive. Now, we could have taken snowmobiles and gotten there. It just wouldn't have been practical. It would have been a and rough ride. <laughs> honestly, it probably would have been smoother than driving by car. I haven't really told though. Mm, not if you dress right, honestly. Okay. Uh, it, all, it all comes down to dressing. Uh, up there is um, people complain about the cold. I think heat is way worse. You can always dress right for the cold, but you can only get so naked. You can only take off so many layers. Exactly. You can only get so naked before it's either illegal or you're dead. Can't argue with that, man. So cold is better. I agree. I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. I was wondering if you disagree because a lot of Southern people disagree. You know, they'd rather take the heat because that's what they know. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather take the cold. I think we're... I don't want to stray out too far from your right. story, but I think where we're at, where there's so many like places to go swimming or mm -hmm. puddle jumping mm -hmm. or just so many like waterfalls to go check out, I love warm weather mm -hmm. because I have more reasons to go somewhere and be able to take my shirt off or something oh, and yeah. cool down. Mm -hmm. It's way more fun cooling down in the summer than it is to warm up in the winter. But it's also, it's also easier to warm up in the winter than it is to cool down in the summer. If you do it right. Yeah. Anyway, back to what you're saying. But okay, yeah. So so to make a long story short, more to say, when when we went ice fishing, it was um, negative twelve ish and windy. Which, if you live up there, you go. That's not a day we go ice fishing. 
because it's just more hassle than it's worth. Mm -hmm. Not because the people up there aren't hardy enough to take it. Like we're out doing stuff in that weather all the time, but it's just not worth the hassle of figuring out, keeping, because the ice, the, the holes freeze over, all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cold for Wisconsin? I mean, yeah, it's cold enough that it's, I mean, it's like when you're living in Arizona, it's 112. You know, for somebody that's out of state, that's unreasonably hot. And for somebody who lives there, it's just like, okay, this is a day where we don't go out at noon. Yeah. You know, right. but, but they're also not freaked out by it. So in Wisconsin, you know, you're not freaked out by negative 12. Negative 40 is when you start freaking out. Um, and even then, it's like, well, you just make sure that all the right pipes are insulated. Yeah. You know, or here it got down to, to zero for two days in a row and mm -hmm. everybody was freaking out. Right. But that's because down here, well, we'll get into that later. But the, the infrastructure. You know, yeah. people just, things aren't built here to, to live in zero degrees. Weather. Freak winters happen and yeah. we'll fix the whatever breaks. Right. But it's not worth anyway. So we go ice fishing. Uh, my, we bring my buddy who's never been ice fishing out. And bro, let me tell you what, it was, it was so cold that um, we had a pop-up ice shack and a little heater that we kept in the ice shack. And so we were sitting in the ice shack uh, to stay warm. And then what we did was we drilled a series of about four holes in the ice, um, about 12 yards apart, uh, pointing towards shore. And in every hole, we had this thing called a tip-up. And a tip-up, for those of you who don't know, um, is, um, is a piece of plastic with a flag and a spool of line on it, right? And the spool of line is connected by mechanism to the flag. And you, put, you have to tie a hook onto that spool of line, and you put a minnow on it and you put it down to the, the height that you want it, you bend the flag over that's connected to a spring, and you connect it to the spool. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so then when a fish comes by, and it grabs the minnow, and it takes off with it, the flag goes boop, up, but nothing happens. Like the, the spool just starts free spooling, so the fish doesn't feel the line. And so when you see the flag take off running, you pull the, the um, tip up, up out of the water, and then you look and you see if the, if the line is still moving, you set the and then you, you set the line and then you just hand line it in. There's no rod, and so that's one of my buddy's favorite ways of fishing up there. And he was the one taking us out. So, um, so that's what we were doing. The thing is, those holes are outside. You know, we're inside the, the tip up, so we have to go out every five minutes and clear off a layer of ice that's building up on top of the holes. Uh huh. And the wind is blowing so hard that snow is being blown into the holes and creating slush. And so that's why I say for people who live up there, they just wouldn't bother trying to ice fish on that mm -hmm. thing because it'd just be miserable. But for us, it's a once, once in a year trip. So yeah. we're doing it. Um, you and, caught a pretty big fish, didn't you? It was, it was okay. It was, it, it, was, it was a great fish for the trip. And honestly, um, it, came, it couldn't have come at a better time because my buddy, again, he had never been ice fishing. And we stayed up the night before. We got in the night before t telling him all about it showing him how the tip up worked. Then we went up, got up really early, went to the bait shop. You know, there's just a whole bunch of buildup to eventually catching a fish. And so we were fishing, we fished for probably four hours. We were inside the, the tent fishing through holes with our rods for anything that might bite that. But we knew that if anything was going to eat, it was going to be on the live minnows on the tip ups on this line the, the running towards shore. And it was about four hours in. And I remember I just kind of glanced out the, the door uh, at the tip ups and, um, Boing, one of the flags was up, and I was like, flag! And everyone threw the rods, you know, it was like we crawled over, tumbled over each other going out the out the, the tent window, uh, the tent door. And then we ran over there, and I tried to get my buddy to hand line the fish in, but he was like, hey, man, I don't know anything about this. You better do it. And so I said, 
all right, man, if you just want to watch, that's fine. So it was taken line and I pulled the, you know, set the hook and it was, you know, it was there. And what was crazy about it is we had almost given up on it. And so we hadn't been going out there and checking the holes. And so this, 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 the hole is about eight inches in diameter, typically when you draw it, when you drill it. Mm-hmm. However, the ice had built up to such an extent that it was about now four inches, maybe. And I was right. like, man, are we going to get this, you know, fish up? So I had to really gingerly, <laughs> I was looking down the hole and I was seeing the fish you know, swim back and forth. And finally, when its head lined up with the, with the ice hole, I just, you know, gently, you know, pulled it up and the, the fish came up through and boom, we got it. It was so cold that as soon as the fish hit the air, it froze solid. What the, the, heck, the, the slime man. just hardened right on. We had to run it back into the into the heated shack, yeah. cool it off, and then we took the picture, and then we threw it in the snowbank. And by the time it hit the ice, it pretty much was like a plank of wood, just clunk. That's and, crazy. And then we ate it, but that's how cold it was. Like my mustache would freeze, my eyelashes would freeze. There's this pretty cool uh, inst- uh, Instagram story on my my page of just kind of demonstrating it. I'm, uh, I've got like snotsicles and everything, and so we'll have to post that on the. The shoot shovel and shovel. Oh, yeah. Page. And also post, you caught a northern pike, right? Yep, that's but, what it was. I have to post a picture of your northern pike. No, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's so. pretty big. If anyone who's listening is interested about interested in learning about ice fishing, um, we, I'm not the person really to tell you because I haven't been able to do it since I moved from Wisconsin. But there's a lot of really awesome content on YouTube. Um, you should look it up because there's some really good ice fishermen that have started posting their stuff on YouTube. Trout fishing on the other hand. Now that's We could tell you a thing or two. Redneck trout fishing. Redneck trout fishing. We'll piss off the Sims guys. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Caught many a trout in my day with a with a split shot. Yeah, dude. An eagle claw hook and a Wrigley 7. Dude. Anyway, you can't beat a worm. No. They can't. Uh-uh. I caught some of the biggest trout on a worm. Yeah, dude. I wonder what the statute of limitations is on breaking the law. There. We don't need to think about that right now. No, we don't. And so I understand you have some fun facts. I do. We're going to try out a new segment here. If you guys, you listeners, all three of you, um, enjoy this segment, let us know uh, in the comments. Um, and uh, we'll keep going. But we, we've got this idea. Uh, <coughs> Remember that timestamp, Brady? Okay. What? It's just it's you can edit out cough if you remember um, like what the time was on the thing. So that's why I want to stop what you're saying. Okay. Cough and then just launch back into it. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. My bad. Sorry, I didn't prep you on that one. No, you're good. Um, I've been holding that in for like the last <laughs> seven minutes. Okay, well done. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, this new segment idea that I've got is um, it's a completely random but interesting fact of the week segment where mm-hmm. each of you or each of you, each of us, all two of us, all two of us come up with, and if Braden wants to join in every now and then, um, he can, but, um, Braden, for those of you who don't know is our wonderful editor and uh, producer who is smiling at me because we talked about not referring to him, but I just love him. We never, and, we still haven't come up with a cool nickname for him yet. Bro, he's the odd nun. The odd nun. Yeah. If you don't know what that reference is, go back and listen to the first episode. Anyway, so uh, so this this segment is Random Facts with O.T. and Donovan. You like it? I like it. All right, so you my random first, fact. Me, yeah, you go first. You got okay, it. Okay, so my random fact is about humpback whales. Do you mm. know anything about humpback whales, Donovan? Uh, a thing or two. A thing or two? Yeah. All right. Um, 
Do you know that they're the most vocal of the uh, of the whales? Did not. They have the most wide variety of singing um, vocalizations. Vocalizations. Mm. But that's not what I want to talk about. More I want to talk about their feeding habits. Now, I am not a zoologist. I'm not a biologist. I have no degree. But I do watch a copious amount of YouTube, and I read a lot of whale books when I was a kid. And I think this is fascinating. Which makes you an expert. Absolutely. I mean, enough for a podcast anyway. <laughs> so whales um, are separated into two, two categories, largely. At the most, at the most um, so first you've got the category of whale, right? Then if you were to break it up into more categories from there, the next two categories is going to be you've got baleen whales and you've got toothed whales. Humpback whales are a baleen whale. Baleen, instead of having teeth, it's it's not a tooth. It's more like hairy combs that are on the roof of these whales' mouths. Which I understand, they're still made up of like bone. No, because they're not like they're not teeth. They're made out of like the chitin. It's the same stuff that hair and um, keratin. No, I think it's chitin, but it might be keratin. Anyway, um, it's the same thing that tooth that uh, fingernails and uh, hair is made out of. Hmm. Which, if you feel it, it kind of has a hairy fingernaily texture to it. But what it's used for is for sifting. Um, and uh, so what they do is, this is fascinating, whales, they're massive, right? But the biggest whales don't eat big prey. They eat the tiny stuff, right? Everyone knows that. They eat like krill. Krill. Or, or shrimp. Or like fishes. You know, whatever. Um, it's because their throat is tiny. It's like the size of a grapefruit. So they can I only... didn't know that. Yeah, it's tiny. That's why if you get eaten by a whale, it can't swallow you. It has to spit you out. Like the only whale it's going to eat you is like a great, is like a, a killer whale or something. Mm -hmm. But like you know, one of the big whales, like a like a baleen whale, like a blue whale or a humpback whale or a bowhead whale or a gray whale, they can't eat you because they can't swallow you. I didn't know you knew so many whales, bro. I love whales. Anyway, so humpback whales. This is the way they feed. They find big schools of like small fish or herring. That's a small fish or um, plankton. And what they do is they hunt in packs. And so the older, more experienced whales will go re really, really deep. And they'll start singing really loud. And when they start singing really loud, it panics the fish. And they start schooling really tight because that's their defense mechanism, right? And then from the depths, they start, the, these, big, these, these, these older whales start blowing massive curtains of bubbles in circles around the perimeter of this bait ball, right? And so these curtains of bubbles start rising around the bait ball, and the bait is not smart enough to know it can swim through the bubbles. And so it freaks out, and so they get even tighter. And then from way deep down, all the whales converge together on a signal, and they open their big, wide mouths. That is awesome. It looks like a pelican pouch. Uh -huh. opens wide, and they just engulf the entire ball of bait. And then they close it, and then what happens is they've got this big mouthful of seawater and food, right? Well they can't swallow all the seawater so what do they do they use their tongue to push and strain all the seawater out but their baleen keeps all the krill and the fish in their mouth huh. and then they swallow it and then they do it again if you if you get the up if you guys are interested in what you're hearing you need to look up on youtube humpback whales feeding because it is some of the coolest stuff you will ever see it's like stuff like did you watch um that movie uh finding nemo 
oh yeah i mean that kind of happens there and they're stuck in a whale's mouth and you kind of see that process yeah. they never get swallowed though they do and then they get blown out of the blowhole which doesn't make any sense because the whale's mouth is not connected to his blowhole so they would have just been digested hmm. but anyway but you know the the, the the second pirates of the caribbean movie yes did you watch that mm -hmm. you know remember when the kraken attacks that boat breaks it in half and then the boat is like tilting up like this and then the kraken's mouth opens up in the middle uh -huh. and then people are falling into it it's basically what humpback whales do to tiny fish that's pretty rad it's awesome i love it i love I whales like whales are really metal and god's awesome for making them well your fun fact is way more metal than mine <laughs> mine is about the humble platypus bro platypuses are awesome though platypi oh platypi my bad uh yeah so a lot of people probably know that a platypus is in fact a mammal despite that they lay eggs but you know what's interesting about them they have a duck bill they don't have boobs so how wait okay so they're a mammal right and part of being a mammal is they produce milk right but they don't have nipples so the platypus in of itself is just a boob because it secretes the milk through its skin. Like everywhere or just in one spot? Everywhere. Really? The whole thing is a boob. It's just one giant it's porous one... milk sponge? Yes. That's amazing. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what makes it a mammal, is that it still secretes milk, but it does. It lays eggs. Yep. It doesn't have boobs. It, the, the whole platypus, aside from... So you know, baby... It's already a freak of nature because right. it has a duck bill and a beaver tail. But it's also a boob. So, so the baby, when it wants milk, it just goes up and. I finds didn't look that far into it. It just like licks it off of the fur. Yeah, I guess. I guess because there's know. no nipple. Maybe uh, Braden fact checked that. <laughs> oh, you better be right. <laughs> That's our <laughs> I credibility. Guess, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I like platypuses, and I think I've heard something along those lines. Yeah, me and the guy I was working with today, uh, he said he lost a bet with his son mm. because. Uh, the bet was that a platypus is a mammal. And he was right. like, there's no way. It right. lays eggs. Um, but there but... are mammals that lay eggs. Name like, one. The, the, because the, I know that I can't name it off the top of my head, but I know the platypus isn't the only one. And maybe there's maybe the other ones are extinct. Maybe fact check that too, Braden. All right, see. let's see here. Oh, no, no, hold on. Hold All on. Right. It's the echidna. The echidna also doesn't lay uh, It lays eggs. All right, but one branch of mammals doesn't suckle. The egg-laying monotremes, I think. Yep, monotremes. Which, which include today's platypus and echidna, yep. or spiny anteater. Yeah, the echidnas live down in the land down under. So they are, they're egg-laying. Yep, but they're um, mammals. Because the, they're warm-blooded, they have fur, and they feed their babies with milk. And, but they all lack nipples. Yeah, they, they, their babies they, instead lap or slurp milk from patches on their mother's skin. So the whole the whole mother is not the boob. The whole mother is the boob. No, I mean it's got patches of boob. It's got patchy boobs. We've said boob too much on this. It's like we're trying to fill a quota. Boob. Stop it. Anyway, so if you guys like um, if you guys like that segment, uh, let us know. And it doesn't have to be animal facts. It just happened to be animal facts today. We both learned about animals today. We did. Uh, do you know what inspired this segment was actually from the Con and Don variety show when you and Connor talked about um, that animal that lays square turds? Uh, that was the 
The chinchilla, maybe? No, no not, it's not, not the, the chinchilla. chinchilla. It's it's but it's I think it's in I think it's a Madagascar. No. Oh. Look it up, uh, Sir Sir Odd Nun, and tell us which animal lays square turds. You want to make a bet on it right now? Yeah. What do you think it is? I think that we don't know the name of it at all. I think it's a wombat. Oh, it's a wombat. Frick! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I remembered it. I was hoping. Bare-nosed wombat. That's what so, I'm talking so about. So now you get, you, get a, you get an extra um, fact as a treat, dear listener. The square-nosed wombat lays square turds. The bare-nosed wombat. Square-nosed? Bare-nosed. Bare-nosed. B-A-R-E-nosed. Bar-nosed. You know a wombat? Isn't that just a small kangaroo? Yeah, I don't even know. Can you look up a picture of one? I just know that they lay square turds. Why would they lay a square turd? I think because they burrow on hills, and that's kind of how they... No, uh, it doesn't look anything. It looks kind of like a groundhog. But I think that's how they mark their territory. Oh, and they don't and want it to roll they away. They don't want it to roll away. I think. That might be like the only reason scientists can come up with. Maybe that'll I be a fun know, fact for next week. What I want to know is how their digestive tract can compact a square turd. You seem Wally. <laughs> Have you seen Wally? Yeah, I've seen Wally. Yeah, dude. It's just That's like that. Mm. You reading any good books? Um, I actually, I just finished a book by Admiral uh, William H. McRaven called Make Your Bed. Oh, I've heard good things about that It was book. so good. It's a very short read. I highly recommend it. But basically, so he gave a speech at UT, which is where he graduated from. I think mm-hmm. he gave the speech back in like 2014. Yeah, I, I think I've seen it on YouTube. It's that guy in the white dress uniform. He's yep. like a Navy SEAL admiral. Yeah, he's been, a, he's been a Navy SEAL admiral for about, like I think, 36 years. Oh, wow. And his whole his speech is he's talking about the 10 things he learned through being a Navy SEAL. And the first thing he talks about is making your bed. Because if you make your bed, then you have at least one success of the day. Mm-hmm. And you can go, like, you can go throughout your day and just have a terrible rest of the day knowing that you've at least succeeded in one simple task. Mm-hmm. And it also kind of goes back to if you can't do the little things right, how you do the big things right. But mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a crappy day and fail literally everything, at least you have a made bed to go home to. Mm. So if you want to, basically, all of his points kind of end with if you want to change the world, do this simple thing and one of them is make your bed um yeah i finished that he has he has 10 other points which i don't want to mess up Mm -hmm. um but that's that's the first one of the 10 they they can just be book recommendations really but that's awesome yeah that's that's what i finished in the bible i just started reading uh Mm -hmm. first john which has been really cool and uh he's talking what's the theme message the the key theme of first john the key theme of first john well the gospel obviously okay that's the most basic Sunday school answer. Yeah. Well, I've never studied through First John, and so I'm, far. right now I'm only eight verses in. It. Oh, I see. But in what I studied, uh, like today and yesterday, um, basically John is saying like, um, like the person who was around at the beginning of the world, mm-hmm. um, who was here when like everything was created, mm-hmm. um, he became manifest. I think he says eternal life became manifest. And John was both an eyewitness, an ear witness, and a hand witness. So he both saw God or saw Jesus manifest, heard him, and also touched him. And so it's this just is it's speaking so, of the author of this book. Yes, John. John is the author of the book, and mm-hmm. he did all of these things. So, and so he's mm, just awesome. in his like testament that he's giving to the people 
that you know he's writing to. I don't really, I don't quite remember who he's writing to. Um, but he's it. It really like reminded me that okay, what I believe like is actually like physically real. Mm-hmm. It is like spiritually real, but it is also like physically real, and that people were able to hear, see, and touch Jesus. And I have also experienced him, not in the same physical ways, but mm-hmm. on a spiritual way. And one day we have a promise that we will get to, like, yeah. physically be in the presence of of Jesus. And it's just it's been really cool study so far. Um, awesome. And then he he kind of ends that section by saying like it completes their joy by writing these things to whoever he's writing to, who I can't remember at the moment. Mm-hmm. But it was just what it do you think a, it means when he says it completes joy? Um, I think just knowing that. You know, he's glorifying the Lord and what he's doing, mm. and it gives him joy to glorify the Lord. And we all have a job that we are supposed to, like, share and, like, teach the things of the Word and of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's not only benefiting others by instructing them in the ways of the Lord, but he is but also, he's also joyful. glorifying the Lord. And so he's getting joy. He's like, I'm joyful that you are getting to know my Creator, our Creator, but also God's getting glory for it. And so yeah. this is a complete joy. I can't add anything to it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? What you've been reading? Um, I have just started, and I've been trying to read this book for like a year, um, but I've just really started jumping into it. Um, it's um, Essential Truths of the Christian Religion by R.C. Sproul. I've heard about that. Yeah, it's a classic. I mean, it was written like back in the 90s, I think. Um, and uh, what I really like about it is it's a really... It, it takes theology and goes to its fundamentals. And it also takes theology and it says, how can we not dumb it down, but simplify it to its essence for people who uh, maybe are over like intimidated by theology or not impressed by theology or think it gets too stuck in the weeds. So R.C. Sproul wrote this book. The, the foreword was the most interesting part of the book so far for me, where he wrote the, he wrote the reason for why he wanted to write this book. And basically there was a survey that went throughout to, to make it really short. There was a survey back in the eighties that went throughout the United States and basically asked everybody, are you a Christian? And like 85 to 90%, if I remember right, of Americans at the time identified as Christians. But then at the same time, those, those Christians, those self-identifying Christians were unable to answer very basic theological truths about scripture Mm -hmm. like why do we get salvation what do we need salvation from who created everything um how do we define the trinity in its most you know even though it's hard to really wrap our minds around and something we can't truly understand it's almost like they're just checking a box yeah they're checking a box just saying yeah i believe in god they're trying but i'm not i don't want to question anyone's heart behind it right there's just right but there's just rc sproul realized who if you guys don't know who rc sproul is and it's okay if you don't only theology nerds really know who he is, but he's a really awesome guy that wrote a lot of really good stuff um, on faith and on theology. And if you're interested in getting to know more about, if you're a Christian and want to know more about your faith, I really recommend his stuff. But anyway, uh, so R.C. Sproul realized this. He realized that, okay, there's a lot of people at least interested in Christianity and willing or, or who are willing to identify with it, but it's just not being preached in the church. Um, and it's not being, it's not being uh, pushed. The standard is not know your theology in the church anymore. 
And so he wrote this book to say, okay, in the, in, in the intro, he said, here are some, here are 10 reasons why people typically reject the study of theology as Christians. And here are, ten, here are my answers, rebuttals to it. And so it's just like, um, the theology is divisive. And he's like, okay, yes, it's just divisive, but truth will always, always be divisive. So it's willing to, it's, it's, it's worth fighting over. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a bunch of stuff like that. And so I've really enjoyed reading it because I've experienced that. I've gone to, um, I've gone to seminaries, uh, you know, for, as, as a college student and been really unimpressed with the kind of nerdiness and it feel in a, in a way it felt unloving in the way that Christians would speak to each other about theology. And it really burnt me out on it where I was just like, I'm not that interested in theology anymore. I'm going to just go back I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to attend my church. It does seem like there's always a debate to be had. Right. And I think I've, I've been, I've been this person before where, you know, if it's like, if there's something that you want to debate, you feel obligated to. Mm -hmm. And I think I've learned recently, just as I've experienced people who are also like me in that way, Mm -hmm. that just because you can debate something doesn't mean you have to. And it also means that maybe you should wait till you know a little more about that topic before you really go out there and try and die on that hill. Right. Because I know, I remember I was, you know, a few years ago, just wrestling with the idea of just predestination and mm-hmm. election, which um, that's not even a topic we need to get into right now. But basically the, the idea of what I'm saying is I didn't understand it, but I was turned away from it by people who told me that you were dumb. For I am, I'm dumb it. for not understanding this or mm-hmm. not believing this or, um yeah. i'm like i'm a lesser christian because i don't because it's something you're wrestling with right because it's something i'm wrestling and it's, it's, like, it's i don't wrestle with that you're dumb the reality is it's perfectly fine to wrestle with i mean even just your faith yeah i think you know jesus allows us to like wrestle with our faith so that our faith can be made stronger mm-hmm. because if you look if you're wrestling with your faith and you look into the bible the mm-hmm. bible will always prove itself to be true mm-hmm. like you can always count on the bible like I encourage, like, if I have, you know, students at camp who I'm counseling who are, like, questioning their faith, it's, like, really challenge the Bible. Yeah. Like, if you're struggling with this, absolutely challenge it. Don't run away from it because you're having difficulties understanding it. Just dive deeper into it. Mm-hmm. And if it's if it's not real, then you will, you will see that. But I guarantee you, like, the Bible is 100% true in every word that it says. And... Mm-hmm. there's so many sources even like extra biblically like outside of the bible that will back that fact well, yeah up. i was about to say too is like we don't need to go to extra biblical sources to have our faith proved yeah. because the bible says in and of itself god has said that scripture is sufficient you know what has been said in scripture is enough uh there doesn't there, there doesn't need to be extra truth added on to it but at the same time there's good resources out there to understand it better. But if you're going to your favorite theologian to understand scripture more than the Bible to understand scripture, I think you've got a lopsided, like you should be reading your Bible more than your favorite theologian's book. Yeah, I definitely um, agree. Anyway, back to my point, or not my point, but my book is, so he's writing this book. It's not a really heady theological book, right? Um, but what it is, is it breaks down, I think it's like, like 10 categories of like, what are some really essential truths that every Christian needs to understand about their faith? What historically, what's the historical precedent for the church believing this? And where does, do we get it from scripture? And I think it's really important for any Christian to read because um, 
it will really give a, a context and a um, kind of a grounding point for when you're reading scripture um, for, okay, that's, that's what that means. Because it's re it is really easy if you just read, the, uh, I, I might sound like I'm contradicting myself, but if you just go in and read the Bible without any context, um, it's really easy to take out of context. So I'd say, don't try and come to any firm conclusions. And like what I've realized is like, Oren, don't try and come to any firm conclusions quickly with the Bible. Read it and be patient. Um, pray through it. Talk to your pastor about what you're learning, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. don't, don't, um, don't assume that you're going to understand one of the most complex and important books ever given to humanity. Well, and you can, I mean, you can put your own meaning into anything really easily and anything can be skewed but if you take if you take scripture for what it says mm -hmm. um in the context of you know just whatever you're reading mm -hmm. like context is always key um like it will prove itself to you yeah um yeah basically for those of you listening we kind of got in the weeds there but read your bibles a lot um be a student of it try to understand what it's saying try to understand what it was saying to its original audience and what the Lord is teaching you through it. Um, don't over-spiritualize things. Take things at face value um, and talk to it. Talk, talk it through what you're learning with your friends. Talk through what you're learning with your pastor. Um, and uh, hey, talk through what you're learning with us. We'd love to talk about Christian uh, theology on this podcast. Not a lot, mind you, because that is a as a rabbit hole. And uh, We want to be careful to debate it on the podcast. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever... I can't think of anything that we would debate about the Bible, like as it like hold opposing views on. I say we line up pretty. I think so. Pretty tightly, I think. Also, I don't really have that much interest in it because in I think no, in debating the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Because again, I need and, and that's something I need to grow in. But I've seen it so often. This is this is maybe my other point that I wanted to finish was I've seen it so often where debates with the Bible has gone poorly. Um, where somebody's held an opinion so strongly that it's in an unloving perspective. And it's like, okay, dude, you need to like take it back, you know, a few RPMs. Because right now you're taking a second level issue and you're making it all about that. When um, this can be a much more loving discussion and you really need to hear more about what, what the other person's saying. And, dis and it's just like, tone in a conversation is so important and i feel like theologians or wannabe theologians are so often tone deaf when they're speaking um and it's it's it sounds you know it's it's like the first corinthians passage about love where it's like if i speak with eloquence but have not love i'm a like clanging cymbal you know a gong you know it's like speak with love first and then people will will be more apt to listen no, let let your let yourself be known by the love that you have for each other. Let the world know the church by the love it has for itself. Yeah, um, and then and then move move from there. I think that'll really that's actually a good segue into kind of our next segment mm -hmm. about like what have we been learning about like manhood and just leadership and responsibility lately. Mm -hmm. And I think for me the biggest thing has been like I can love somebody and still disagree with them. Yeah, and. Because, like, I think mm. that's that's a big thing that really a lot of people need to understand nowadays is because, like, if you disagree with anybody on any belief or viewpoint they have, mm -hmm. then you are the enemy. And that right. is not that is not true at all. I was watching or listening to a Joe Rogan podcast where it was Joe Rogan talking to Matt Walsh. 
and um, Matt Walsh was like talking about Christianity, which I, I'm pretty sure he's a Catholic. Yep. So he's talking about. He's almost there. You know. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> really close. Um, if there's any Catholics li- listening, I'm not saying that you can't be Christian if you're a Catholic. I think there are believers who are Catholics. Yeah, Catholic. It's just to be more specific, he's a Catholic. Yeah. Um, but he was just talking about his views on like gender roles and homosexuality, and it was like a three hour long almost debate between them nobody ever got heated or mad but at the end of it um like joe rogan didn't still didn't agree with matt walsh matt walsh still didn't agree with joe rogan but they ended it with how refreshing is it that we can have a conversation as men Mm -hmm. and still like be friends afterward like obviously i disagree but i think it's so valuable for someone to be able to speak you know Mm -hmm. their voice and opinion obviously you know i can think that i'm right yeah. And you can also think that you're right. Um, we'll all stand before the Lord one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that's a fact. And someone can disagree with that, but I will still believe that they're wrong and I will still love them anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's what I've been learning. Like, it is totally okay to disagree with somebody. Just don't be a jerk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, t- going along with that topic, Jocko, um, which Jocko Willink was one of the inspirations to me wanting to start a podcast because I love listening to his stuff. He's a, he's a former Navy SEAL and now he does motivational and leadership seminars. He's really good at it. He's really good at it. He's kind of like the military unbelieving version of Brody Holloway. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. That's... Those two would get along so good. They would. Anyway. So, uh, but he was talking about how as leaders yelling or losing your temper um, is never a quality trait. It's always negative. Um, because if you're trying to lead somebody, but, but his point was, if you're trying to lead somebody, if you're in a meeting, um, if you're in a meeting and you're, um, and you you lose it on your subordinates, uh, and scream at them, ultimately they're not going to leave that meeting, um, thinking better of you. In most scenarios, right, they're going to think, man, that guy just lost it. You know, they're not going to have more respect for you. And so if you, you got to think of losing your temper um, as a weakness, not as a strength. Uh, and what I think is so cool about that, if you take it out of the leadership context and just put it in the general life context, if you're having a conversation with somebody you disagree with and they are expressing an opinion that you disagree with it's probably not going to benefit you to get really mad at that person and shout and scream and get in their face because one, it's probably going to either shut them down or cause them to dig their heels in really hard. You are not going to learn anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, no one in that situation, very few people anyway, in that situation are going to think higher of you because of losing your temper. And so, I would, you know, so what I've been trying to challenge myself with recently is like if I get in a situation where I'm with somebody who has a really vastly different opinion on something that I do is not to hold my opinion so loosely that I don't get upset about it, but to hold my opinion, you know, tightly believe in it, but don't get riled up that somebody believes something different. Listen to them, understand where they're coming from. Leaving something different isn't an insult at all. The problem is, and this was the second thing I wanted to get into, is identity politics, identity whatever. When, as soon as you tie your identity to the truth of something, 
aside from Christianity, because if we're going to believe it as faith, we'd have to hold to it like it's the realest thing ever. Because I believe yeah. it is. Um, but like, you know, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, if you if, if, if you and, or, and I, Donnie, is, is say you are a Democrat and I'm a Republican or vice versa, you know, and my identity as a Democrat or as a Republican is everything to me, you disagreeing with me is not just disagreeing with me politically. It's disagreeing with the person I identify as. Right. And I think that's why people get so mad so quickly. Mm -hmm. is because they feel whether or not they realize it whether or not i realize i want to i want to make sure not to just throw they out there that's another it's another thing i've been trying not to do because it's really easy to just say they in a really broad sense we're all to blame yeah yeah but so so like me if let's, i let's were say to we yeah we if well me like if i were okay. to if i were to really ground my identity in a political party and then somebody were to criticize me whether or not I realize this is why it's happening, I'm going to get mad at them because I'm going to feel like they're attacking me as a person. When the reality of it is, the politics is such a small part of who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And I need to have a much broader scope of what I pursue and what I tie my identity to. And I would argue that every, every human being has a God-shaped hole in our being that requires God to fill the Christian God of the Bible, the Christian faith. Um, and until that happens, we're going to be trying to fill our identity with anything, politics, uh, different hobbies, work, um, pleasure, entertainment, whatever, you know? And so, but like, you know, you see it with movies, you know, it's like somebody's a really big DC fan and somebody's a really big Marvel fan. If those people really, or sports, you know, somebody's a really big Green Bay Packers fan, me, and somebody's a really big Vikings fan. You know, if they're, if they're big, you know, no, he's not a Vikings fan, <laughs> but if they're big enough in, if people are big enough into those fandoms and somebody says the Packers suck or the Vikings suck, you can get Which a really, they, do. they don't, it's fa it's factually untrue. Anyway, you can get a, you can get a visceral reaction out of them. If you disagree with the quality of their team, because they ground their identity in the truth that that's a worthwhile thing to follow, right? And so I would just challenge, my, I challenge myself and I challenge any of our listeners to be careful with how much you ground your identity in things that are outside of a God, right? Because God's the only thing that is truly above corruption. And mm -hmm. it's the only thing that's truly gonna be worthwhile giving your entire identity to. When Paul writes that he is a, um, a prisoner to Christ. That's not a bad thing. Like I for, formerly, I was a prisoner to the flesh. Now I'm a prisoner to Christ. I've been set free to be a prisoner to Christ. And so, you know, hold everything else loosely. Be willing to talk about it. Be willing to hear people. Be like, you know, James when it says, "Be slow to speak and slow quick, to anger, yeah. quick to hear." You know, that's mostly talking about. I've learned this recently. It's mostly talking about when you're reading the Bible be quick to read what the bible is saying be quick to listen be slow to like anger at what the bible is teaching you but it can also refer to when you're talking with somebody yeah so anyway. I, I think if you are struggling with like just understanding the things of the bible or you know if you just flat out disagree with the bible i think you or anybody should be comfortable enough to be able to 
like challenge that figure out why if you truly think all right scripture isn't real um or it's, it's all fake and made up mm-hmm. like just dive into it and like challenge it i've read you know i've done the same thing with like like the book of mormon or the quran um those things and just because somebody told me the same thing it's like all right yeah i will read this because it, it's also good to know about a lot of other religions mm-hmm. and you know what i found in in other like writings that people like cling to spiritually is not the same thing that i found from like christianity mm-hmm. um yeah like don't don't be afraid to to like challenge these things yeah yeah as a christian don't be afraid of doubt chase run that down just don't yes. uh, i think don't let there, doubt cause diff- you to run away yeah don't let doubt cause you to run that's a great that's a great like don't don't let the uncomfortableness of doubt stop you from asking tough questions um but also understand that you can respect god and you can respect church tradition and still wrestle with your doubt there's a, there's a non-rebellious way to deal with doubt i think mm-hmm. a lot of times people associate doubt in the christian faith with like rebellious edgy teens like teenagers <laughs> but i don't think that is true at all like i think some of the best apologists for the christian faith started their journey because they were they either doubted themselves and their own faith or they doubted the truth of the christian religion and it really led them to a really strong place because they honestly dealt with their doubt and so if you just honestly deal with it instead of run from it i think it puts you in a stronger place I mean, what happens when you have kids one day and they start asking you why we're christians and you haven't never dealt with your doubts yeah then that doubt is going to be projected on them i never really thought about that i just talked about it now it's kind of terrifying <laughs> figure it out man um so well we're 50 minutes in i would like to fill 10 more minutes of talking what are we going to talk about what are we going to do what, what's our goal this week what, what's something cool we want to do this week that we want to talk about next week well, give the people a little tidbit not even just this week but it is new year's yeah oh yeah new year's do you have um, any resolutions i don't because i think the tradition's dumb yeah but... orin, orin thinks new year's resolutions are stupid yeah because um, if you're strong enough to you know d- discipline yourself to do something you don't need a new year's date to make the change anyway go on um so my wife and i have committed we've made a youtube channel well done called the greenwoods the greenwoods um, go like and subscribe yeah, we'll put a link in the description. Oh, thank, look thank at that you, buzzword. Yeah, dude. We're getting good at this, Donnie. Yeah. Um, but our goal is to release one vlog a month for the year of 2023 with the hopes that <laughs> it'll, which we, one, we think it'll be really fun, mm-hmm. but also we're hoping that it'll push us to do more cool, fun things yep. together um, more regularly. So, like this month, this video will probably come out maybe like January 20th or something. Okay. Um, but we're going to go to the Catalucci Ski Resort, do some snowboarding. Um, the goal is to conquer the Black Diamond, which I've done before. I've never done it without falling. Mm. Um, so I might say something like, I'm going to try to conquer the Black Diamond in under three minutes. Okay. Top to bottom in three minutes and just see how, how fast I can go without wiping out. Um, yeah, just fun stuff like that. And then also I'm trying to wake up at 5.30 every day to go to the gym well done sir yeah so early morning workouts and fun things with your wife that you're going to document via monthly youtube videos yep and so far uh i've worked out two days this year 
Well, it is only two days into the new year. So, so you're doing good. Doing really good. Haven't You've made worked a vlog out 100% yet, of the, the year so far. I have. Well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Braden. Uh, Braden, do you have any New Year's resolutions? You want to come talking to my mic? Yeah. He doesn't want to. Oh, he doesn't have any New Year's resolutions. He's like me. Yeah. He's a Chad. No, honestly, it's not because I'm some disciplined freak. It's because I have no discipline, and every time I've tried to make a New Year's resolution, You're I've just undisciplined failed. Undisciplined freak. And so the problem is, I've just been jaded to the whole process. But one thing that I'm I'm going to do is, and I'm just not adding the New Year's resolution tag to it. People can call me lame. Anyway, I'm going to read. I'm going to finish that theology book by R.C. Sproul, The Essential Truths of the Christian Religion, because uh, I think it's going to be good good for my faith. And I'm going to try and be asleep by 10.30 every night uh, because, oh, this was, uh, so this is a bit of uh, just you know, good advice for everybody. I've learned that the United States, especially after um, the technology revolution, um, this, like software, you know, like phones and all that kind of junk, is chronically underslept. Like we're all lacking, we're all sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know why, but again, anyone who has followed Jocko Willink on Instagram or whatever, the guy that I was talking about earlier that's a big motivational speaker, he only gets four hours of sleep every night it's, or, or six, you know. But the human body, by and large, most, most medical professionals agree that there are a few outliers, but most people need at least eight hours of sleep to fully rest and recover their brains. And if you don't get good sleep, when you're older, you'll get dementia. Um, potentially, if, uh, you know, you just have your memory, you, you'll lose memory. Um, you, you know, the, the, the ability for your brain to function on a day to day is going to decrease. And, um, and so get sleep, everybody. I know I need to get more sleep. Uh, I've no been yawning this whole time. No matter, <laughs> no matter how well you feel during the day. Um, and I, I oftentimes will be at work, you know, working at my computer and I just feel groggy. Uh, and so don't don't rely on them bang energy drinks or them rain energy drinks you know get some sleep get some good sleep wake up early go to bed early my dad which again we'll have him on the podcast one of these days one day man. my dad says and and this isn't his quote but he would say it to me when i was growing up early to bed uh early to rise makes a man healthy wealthy and wise and so go to bed early wake up early get after it um get good sleep get at least eight hours um and that's what I'm going to try to do. Energy drinks. They're awesome. And, and, but... Well, in my experience, you know, I'll drink an energy drink when I'm tired. Yeah. And it's like before the energy drink, I'm tired. After the energy drink, I'm tired, but I feel like I can run really fast. Mm. So I, just, I, I can't do them unless, yeah. unless my, my body is just tired. If I'm just sleepy, energy drink ain't going to do it. If, if, yeah. I'm, if my body's tired and I need more like physical energy, mm -hmm. then yeah, energy drink all day. I like drinking energy drinks when I'm like on a long road trip, not because they necessarily in and of themselves keep me awake, but sipping on them helps. Yeah. Like, like consuming them helps. Water will wake me up mentally more than energy really? drink. Really? That's awesome because water, yeah, drink water. You guys are probably, I mean, I, you guys are out there probably just dehydrated and underslept. Drink so your water. Drink water and go to sleep and exercise. And read good books. I know you're using your phone to listen to this, but get off your phone. Read a book. Read a book while listening to this. That would be impressive. But yeah. that would mean you weren't, you're not really listening to us or reading the book. So don't do that. Okay. Well, I Donnie, think... You got anything else? No, I think this is a good spot to, to wrap it up. I agree. So anyway, um, this has been the Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up podcast. And uh, we will see y'all next week.
And for those of you who have stayed with us to this point, Donnie, who would we like to invite on our next podcast? We would like to invite David Kolb to join us on our next podcast. David is a police officer in Cobb County, Georgia, Mm. a stellar guy, a stellar dad, and a stellar husband, and a stellar cop. Now, again, if if you guys want to be on uh, the podcast, we will not tell you in person. You have to listen to every episode. And at the very end of each episode, we will announce who we want to have on the podcast. And if you guys never listen, we'll never have you on. So that's how it goes. Love you.